Hi everybody, my name is Claire and I'm a graphic designer located in Vancouver, British Columbia. I get so many questions through Instagram, Facebook, email, text, website, uh, through friends, you know, asking so many questions on how I'm able to be a successful graphic designer, whether it's working for a company or being self-employed because I have done both. Um, and I realized that the, you know, there was, they never taught us this in school. They never really taught us things like contracts, how to charge people, how to make money. You know, they teach you everything to be a designer, but they don't teach you anything to make money as a designer. And when I was first getting out of school, I was asking anyone I knew for advice and a lot of people didn't want to share this information or they didn't know this information. I started searching everything online and there wasn't any quality content and you know I feel like people were really just scratching the surface and I just I wanted to do this podcast to be as transparent as possible when it comes to being a designer. I I don't want to keep secrets from you guys. I want to tell you guys how to be successful and I hope that you can take away a little piece from each episode if not a lot from each episode that I put out. And so I thought I would start with the most basic question I get asked, which is how I got my design career started. Um, so first off, I ended up, uh, I did go to school for graphic design. A lot of people ask me if you need to do that or not, and I want to do a separate episode on that. So um, I think that might be my next episode. But I did go to school for graphic design, and I really, really enjoyed it. I went to the Art Institute of Vancouver, which is now LaSalle College. They were bought out. Um, but I did um, enroll and graduate from the Art Institute. Um, this was a two-year graphic design program, and you did four quarters a year, which was all year round, and you did this for two years. I ended up doing nine quarters just because their admin side has messed around with my schedule a little bit, and um, it just ended up I needed an extra quarter, which honestly, in the grand scheme of life, isn't a big deal. But in the moment, it was the end of the world for me. Um, and uh, the schooling was um, a very intense program. I feel like a lot of people entered this program thinking it was going to be easy. Um, you know, it's not the standard math or essay writing or, you know, learning another language that you have to do when you go to um, like a typical university or college. Um you know, it just, I think a lot of people went into this thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, use my creativity that I already have and make some art and graduate and start working. And it was not like this at all. And as the program went on, um, you would notice the classes started to dwindle down to, they cut back by even like the, at the end of the program, our classes were less than a third of the size of when we first started. So it kind of goes to show you how hard the program was and so I cannot stress enough if you're uncertain about graphic design please do not go into a program thinking it's going to be easy. I highly recommend using like Skillshare or going on YouTube and getting free content and maybe teaching yourself a little bit about uh, graphic design to see if this really piques your interest. I honestly didn't even think of that. I was in the headspace that I had to go to school to get a good job and that wasn't just with graphic design. I thought I was going to be a teacher or a counselor and I was also kind of interested in law and um, or business marketing. I had so many options and I really didn't even know what to, I wanted to do and so I enrolled at the Art Institute. I ended up going for a tour first of all and they asked me questions about my interests and what I like and what I'm good at and they asked us a little bit about my my work. I I've always been very good in fine arts. I was very creative, um, pretty good in painting. And I, any medium I ended up picking up, I, I was pretty good at. So oil pastels, um, oil painting, acrylic paint, watercolor paint, sketching, you name it. Uh, even sculptures or like 3D art, I ended up doing some pretty nice pieces. So... Um, they kind of looked through the programs and they felt that graphic design was a really good fit for me. Graphic design was already always on the back burner in the back of my head as my dad owned a software company when I was growing up 
and he always kind of would toss in the idea like you'd be really good at graphic design and honestly I didn't even care enough to look into what graphic designers did for a living um I just said yeah that sounds cool thanks dad and uh so once you know a school recognizes that that program would be a good fit for me I was like do you know what maybe this will be something I should do while I figure out if I want to be a teacher or a counselor in business in law I didn't know what I wanted to do and I thought that this would be a good stepping stone um so that's what I did and about a year into my school career I got offered an internship slash junior position at a software company named Atimi Software um this was for a UI and UX position, and for those uh, designers or any listeners who don't know what UI or UX is, it means user interface and user experience. And this is for mobile apps, this is for software, this is for web, any digital interaction type piece, this is what UI and UX is. Um, so user interface is what you look at. Um, and then user experience is, for instance, on Tinder, when you swipe, that is a user experience to have that card fly off the screen to the right or to the left. Um, and that is a thought out design. So um, I had never even heard what UI or UX was when this uh, opportunity arose for me. So I did some brief research and I was like, Do you know what, I think I could be good at this. I wanna give this a try. At least go for the interview because there's no harm in doing that and the opportunity came up so fast I um, I asked um, a, a mentor if you will for a reference letter um, I printed out my high school resume um, I had only worked at two companies previous to that one I worked at a coffee donut place and one uh, other job was a drugstore job, and so I worked at both of those companies for about two years uh, per company, and so I didn't really have a lot on my resume. I put my favorite projects um, in separate files. You know, I had all of them in separate files. I put them on a USB drive, and I handmade um, business cards with this random logo I made for myself. Honestly, it does not suit me at all. I really like the concept of it still, but honestly, it does not suit me as a person. It does not suit me as a designer. And it, I just, I printed these out on cardstock at school. I bought like a tabloid size, um, I think that's 11 by 18 or 11 by 17 inch piece of cardstock. And I literally printed out a bunch of business cards on this sheet and I hand cut them for this interview. I wanted to come across so professional and oh my goodness, honestly, looking back, uh, I mean, I think it's cute. I tried so hard, but honestly, that was, it, you can tell how homemade this whole enterprise of Claire was. I, uh, I splurged and bought myself a really expensive outfit. I figured... If I wore a really nice outfit for this interview, it would give me the confidence to be professional enough to uh, get the job. And I went in and it was um, so nerve wracking. I met with their two lead designers and the vice president of the company. And they started asking me about my school program and what I was learning. And then they put my projects up on like a 60 inch TV and I was mortified. They had me explain my thought process and why I did what I did for the design and um, just a little bit about the project brief. And I was so early on into my school career, like thinking back, I don't even think I was halfway through. I had finished my prerequisites and I had learned Photoshop to a decent extent. Um, I learned Illustrator to a usable extent and I was... Um, I just was starting InDesign, um, which is a bit of a, that's a hard software, honestly, it's not my favorite, um, but it is an extremely necessary software to, to learn uh, if you want to be a good designer. Um, and um, I was mortified that I didn't even know the, own, the software I had to know, just as a general designer, like the most basic software. And then they started asking me about um, how proficient I was in SketchUp, which uh, of those of you who don't know, 
Sketch app is the industry standard for software design, UI and UX design. Never even heard of it. They asked me um, about tons of other software and UI and UX design and if my school even offered the program. And at that moment, uh, I was heartbroken. My heart shattered. I knew that this position was not going to work for me. I knew they weren't going to hire me. I didn't even know enough about graphic design, let alone software design, to have this kind of position. And at the end of the interview, they said, uh, so what's the earliest date you can start? I was absolutely shocked. Um, I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to go give my two weeks to my current employer. And they jokingly kind of said, they're like, well, you don't need to if you don't ever want to use them as a reference again. But being raised with the integrity that I have been, uh, I gave my two weeks notice and I started at Atimi Software. I ended up working there for about a year and um, this industry, this is quite common. It has nothing to do with the company, um, but when, especially when you work for clients like Atimi Software did. We worked for Fortune 1000 companies, um, building mobile apps for them. Um, sometimes if you, uh, clients don't need projects, uh, there's no work and then there's no money and uh, there's no job. So I unfortunately was obviously one of the first to go as I was just a junior. Um, and I had been at the company for about a year. I was absolutely devastated. I loved the company. I honestly thought I was going to work there for a really long time. And um, it, it didn't work out. And um, I had about six months of school left and I... I knew how hard the program was getting. It was already, like, some students really even couldn't work full-time work or even part-time work at the start of the program. And obviously, as the program progressed, it got harder and harder and harder, and people ended up um, taking on less and less work to pay their bills. They obviously needed to focus on school, or they would cut their classes down. Um, honestly, I loved the school I went to, but there was a lot of uh, admin issues going on and I wanted out as soon as possible, so I knew I was not going to stay there. I wanted to just finish school. So I didn't work for six months, and I finished school. And at the end of our school program, there's a portfolio show for everyone that's graduating that quarter. And at the portfolio show, each person gets like a table slash booth type thing. And uh, you can decorate it and make it up any way you want. And some students went crazy and built like huge wooden displays or signage and decorations and one person literally brought in a popcorn machine and was giving away like little popcorn bags um I mean some people went full bore on that I displayed my favorite um projects that we had made because in our in our program we had to physically make our toy packages or our cleaning kit packaging and I decided I was going to display these. I had my resumes and business cards. These ones were not homemade. These were professionally done. And I had my website up and I had my iPad where I had a prototyped app set up. So I had a bit of interaction because I wanted to be in that field. So I thought if I had um, some work that people could interact with, um, industry professionals come to these portfolio shows looking to hire junior designers, junior junior everybody, you know, there's fashion designers, there's game designers, there's a lot of people, there's culinary school in our, um, in our school as well. And so these industry professionals are seeking juniors because they're affordable, they're eager, they're hardworking. Um, it's just a really good place to get hired right away. And I did have a couple leads where I, I honestly thought I was going to get hired. I thought, hey, I, I've already worked as a designer for a year. I, I'm already ahead of these guys. Not in terms that my work was better than everybody else's, but I just knew I had a little bit more experience. And I thought that gave me a bit of a leg up, which it did, but not as much as I thought. Um, those leads um, ended up falling through, which I was really, really upset about. Um, but now, looking back, that I've been working as a designer for almost four years now, um, and working at several companies and being self-employed as well, um, I can now notice red flags that I just blatantly ignored because I was just so eager to work, and I was just, 
I was like, who cares? You know, yeah, it's a little weird what's going on, but you know, it's okay. It's a job. It's a job. And I know I can suck it up and I'll just move on to the next job. You know, it's that, I don't know if this is a common saying or not, but you know, it's obviously easier to get a job when you have a job, but people want what's in demand. It's human nature to want what we can't have. Um, so if you're, um, if you're not employed, you're not in demand, and therefore you're kind of unwanted, even though you're available to be hired, whereas somebody who's currently working, obviously there's a reason why they're employed, and therefore they're more desirable. So that was kind of my mindset coming out of school. Um, I really wanted to stick into um, marketing or advertising, as well as software design. So those were the two um, kind of titles I was looking for. Um, it's really hard to find junior UI positions. They're pretty much impossible to find for many reasons, but um, especially because our school didn't have this in our program, it just made it that much harder to, to really find a job. And I ended up finding this company, um, Video Messenger. Now they were in a mobile app, just like Instagram, Snapchat, you know, that Instagram is a company and they have a free app. So that's what essentially what this was. And it was a marketing position. And I was very open in my interview. I said, I, I love marketing. I'm very good at it. Um, but I do eventually want to work into software design. And I think that this would be a very good opportunity for me to start as your marketer and then hopefully work my way into UI um, once I understand your company a little bit better and I'm a bit more comfortable, you know, I'm fresh out of school. And they agreed. I ended up getting the job. And um, I come in first day and they gave me about two weeks of marketing work. And um, I finished it from, I started at 9 in the morning and I was done at 11 in the morning. And they didn't really know what to do with me after that. So on uh, my second day, they pulled me aside and said, we want to... Um, we want to put you in uh, UI, UX design. You're going to do our iOS app. And this was a startup company. They had been around maybe, I want to say two or three years before me, probably two before I came to the company. Um, looking back, they really should have had a better project after two years, especially with that many people working at the company. There was easily 50 people working there. Um, again, lots of red flags I wanted to ignore. I was very eager and, um, I just, I didn't care to, uh, listen to the advice of my family, friends, instructors, what have you. I was like, yeah, you guys don't even know my industry. You don't know what this is like. You know, this, even if the company sucks or if the project sucks, this is good on my resume. This will be good for like, for a good reference. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. And, um, what they had done was they had they had one UI UX designer working there and she actually didn't come from a design background she came from um, a developer background and she knew HTML CSS JavaScript jQuery um, etc so kind of more on the web side of things too not even really into mobile apps she actually didn't know Xcode or anything like that uh, in terms of like coding an app it's actually different to code an app than it is to code a website in some ways. So um, she developed our website from scratch with code, but she actually didn't work on the app. She just worked on the design of the app. Um, now, uh, for you UI UX listeners that are listening uh, who may know this, and for those who don't, I'm just going to say um, there is a major difference in the Instagram app for iOS and for Android. Now there's major reasons for this um, but people are very attached to how their phone works and how it functions and how it looks and feels and that consistency has to be applied to every third-party app. So this app looked like an Android app and I went to the CEO and I said straight up coming from my um, design background in mobile apps this app is something that is not going to go far on an iPhone and honestly I'm telling you I work for this company and I would not use this app and he was shocked to hear those thoughts but he took it and he put me as the lead iOS designer. I was 
um, I did a huge overhaul. I, I made this whole app for iOS for mobile. I ended up developing or designing um, a tablet version for iPad and then I did a desktop version as well as I did their website and I did marketing design as well. So I was doing a lot for them. And um, they were so shady. They, that's a whole story in and, set up, in and out of itself. For them to promote me from mark, junior marketer to lead iOS UI designer, that is unheard of. And it is for a reason. And, um, you know, I was just ecstatic. I was like, Mom, I'm moving up so fast. It's my second day and I literally just got promoted. And the promises they were saying were just really weird. They were like, oh, after your probation, we're going to give you a raise. And that raise can be anywhere between $5,000 annually or $20,000 annually. I don't know about you, but a $20,000 pay raise is a lot and kind of unheard of. And I thought that was very interesting. But as a UI designer, they get paid significantly more than a junior marketer. So that increase definitely made sense in my head. And they would tell me things like, because um, I was working with the other designer, they were like, oh, we need you to do this, this, and this, but uh, and you're in charge, but you can't tell her because she thinks she's in charge and we don't want to upset her. And I, that was just weird things like, why am I in charge, but I can't, how am I supposed to be in charge if I can't tell people I'm in charge? Um, I had to take... Um, two and a half days off for sick leave. I gave them a medical note. The next day they fired me on the spot for it. And honestly, major blessing in disguise. There's so much wrong with that company. They actually never ended up paying me and they owe me a lot of money. And, um, they ended up doing this to a lot of people. So, um, I was a little scarred from that situation. I had been at the company for about three months and then I decided, you know what, taking a road trip down to Disneyland, gonna hang out for the summer. And then I realized, um, because I wasn't getting paid from this company, I realized this after I had left, um, that this was an issue. I realized I didn't have a lot of money in the bank and I was a little freaking out a bit. So my summer dreams came to a halt and I found a company called Buddy Build. And this company had such a great ad out. I thought, you know what, this, this job posting was made for Claire. This was so made for me. They were looking for a junior UI designer who is also good in like as an illustrator and marketer. And I'm like, I'm good at all these things. I'm creative. I need to understand business and marketing. And I have a UI background, which was a big problem when I was applying for jobs. I was, I was applying for print-based work, like packaging design or print companies. And those companies are kind of like the bottom of the pay spectrum in terms of junior positions. I'm not entirely sure when you work your way up as like a senior or intermediate designer, but in terms of junior positions, these were the jobs that were paying like just above minimum wage. And I should have gotten those jobs. And they would tell me, you're like, yeah, your, your resume doesn't reflect. You have no print background and uh, you, you know, you're in software. So we just don't think you're a good fit. And then when I was applying for UI jobs, they're like, yeah, you know, you're just so junior. We just don't think you're strong enough to do this. So I felt like I was kind of stuck. And when I found this company, I was like, oh my goodness, I can do everything. And I didn't hear back from them for a month and I was really upset. Um, I was like, oh, I thought that job, I thought I would at least get an interview. And um, when I realized I didn't, I was a little bummed. And then a couple days later, I heard back from them and they um they offered me um, a Skype interview. So I Skyped with their lead designer. The interview went great. It was really long. It was about an hour and a half. And um, then I didn't hear back from them again. And I was a little upset. And then about two weeks after this, they, they emailed me again. They said, hi, we'd love to have, bring you in for um, another round of interviews. These are the people you'd be meeting. And I met with um, two people from their front-end development team. I met with their um, one of their marketers, their marketing managers. And then um, I met with the CEO of the company. I interviewed at this place. 
for over three hours. <laughs> it was the longest interview process of my life because I interviewed with each person for easily 45 minutes to an hour, if not longer. I think, with especially with the CEO, that uh, that was a really long interview. And it went really well, and I left there feeling really peaceful. I said, you know what, this this feels good, and I, I think I'm, I'm going to do well there, but I'm not going to be upset if I don't get the job. If I don't get this job, it is a sign I'm meant to run my own business. Uh, that's what I told myself. Um, they called me, and they said, you're, you're our top candidate. We want you to have the position, but we feel that you think this is more of a UI position. And this is actually a lot more of a marketing position. So um, I told them that's 100% fine. They told me they wanted me to take the weekend to think about it. So I, I went away, thought about it, and I said, you know what? This company is good. Honestly, like I said at the last company, this is my way I can work up into UI. It's okay that I'm doing marketing as, as long as eventually I get myself there. So that's what I did. And I was doing some UI for them as well as lots of marketing and I was having a blast. It was a great company. It was so great that Apple wanted to buy us and we went through this process and we did get acquired by Apple. And Apple doesn't need a small marketing team that we had and my position became um, void. We didn't have it anymore. So unfortunately, again, I lost this job. And that's, that was when my turning point happened. I said, you know what? I need to work for myself. I ended up interviewing at a couple other software companies after I left there, um, literally a week or two after I left. And those positions didn't work out. And I really thought they would have. And that was my clear sign I needed to work for myself. And so that's what I started to do. Um, and so that kind of brings me into freelancing. So freelancing is an area where I think I get a, a majority of my questions. Um, you know, how do you go from collecting a st stable paycheck from somebody on, you know, a bi-monthly basis to not knowing when your next uh, project and income is going to come in? And it can be really scary. And for those of you who don't quite really understand what a freelance graphic designer does or is or what that involves, it's... Basically, um, you don't have an employer, you are your own boss, um, and you work with companies and people and do the projects they need. And this is great to have a variety of projects. Um, freelancing is like the best way to have um, a diverse portfolio. And um, the first thing you're going to need is a portfolio. Um, this is the first step you need into becoming a freelance designer. And the reason why this is so important is people like to see where they're gonna invest their money. I know if I'm even gonna buy a pair of headphones, let's say for $50, I wanna do research. I want to you know, how, know how good this product is, what are the flaws of the product, what are the pros of this product, how many people have bought this product? How long does it last? Like, I want to research because I'm, I'm going to spend the money I've worked hard to make on this item. And that's the same with design. And design is an investment. Design is, is expensive. And there's so many factors into why design is expensive. And, um, you know, for somebody to invest hundreds to thousands of dollars in, in a project, um, they need to see that what they're investing in you as a designer is going to be good and you need to display that through a portfolio of previous work. So a portfolio, um, you're going to include projects that you've done. And what I also like to include in my portfolio is um, part of the project description, you know, what were... Um, what were the guidelines of this project? What were some things I had to do? And what were some things I wasn't allowed to do? Because some clients are really picky. Um, and not in a bad way. They just kind of know what they want or they know what they don't want. And there's guidelines to, um, to the project. And I like to include those. And I also like to include a description of why I chose particular fonts, colors, placements, and kind of the overall design and my thought process. So that's what you're going to want to include in your portfolio. Now, there's many ways to um, display this portfolio. 
Now, this is the most traditional way, and people in my uh, school program did this, and I believe it to be a little archaic, Um, and honestly, I don't see this as very beneficial, but a printed portfolio. Um, These are so expensive. The covers alone can range in the hundreds of dollars just for the cover to be printed and made for you. And you're going to want this branded. You're going to want to choose the cover. You're going to want um, you're going to want your logo in there. You're going to need your logo in there because as a designer, if you can't even brand your own portfolio, how somebody's supposed to take you seriously to brand them, um, or, you know, do any kind of work for them. Um, and so make sure your portfolio is the quality of work that you're putting out. And, um, and this printed portfolio, the reason why I don't think it works very well is because it's expensive and, as a designer, you're, you're always growing, the projects are always changing, and you're going to have to redo this portfolio so many times. I just don't see it worth the investment. Maybe this would be a really good gift, you know, like, you know, I've, congratulations, I've worked five years as a designer. These are my best projects in my first five years, and I'm going to print it in a very expensive portfolio and display it on my shelf, but, um, This I find um, not the best way to have your portfolio done because it's a a one physical copy that probably is going to cost you about $400 on average and you physically have to bring it to that person to show your work and they have to sit there and look at it and read right in front of you. So I don't find this the most effective way to um, display your work. There's so many um, free alternatives. Um, number one, um, I, I personally have a website. You can do this for free if you actually pay for the Adobe software. Um, you can actually get a free Adobe portfolio. And if you pay for a domain, you can actually plug that domain into the Adobe site. So you can actually have like claretashrow.com or whatever you decide your domain is going to be. Or you can use their free domain. Um, it depends how you want to come across and how professional you really want to be. If freelancing is your full-time work, I recommend investing some money into it. But if this is kind of a side gig, um, like currently right now, I work at a software company and freelancing is my side money. And so I actually just use the portfolio domain. Um, if you're interested in seeing this portfolio, this is the portfolio I use to apply for jobs. It is claremtashro.myportfolio.com. And you can see these are um, my best projects. And uh, you can also um, use Instagram. That's a really good way to show your work and showcase it all in one area for free. I wouldn't recommend just having an Instagram page as a portfolio. I think um, if you want to come across a little bit more professional and if you want to have that premium kind of pricing, I wouldn't just have Instagram. Um, but it's, I also have Instagram, the, the more platforms you, you use, the better. And, um, also for my interviews, I have signed a lot of non-disclosure, um, agreements. And so there's certain projects I can't post online, but I also know I'm allowed to include certain projects I've done in my portfolio. Um, as long as I don't post it online or send it via email or through messenger or anything like that. So I actually have a PDF portfolio I keep on my iPad for when I go into interviews. And these have a little bit more of those private projects in there. Um, And those are where I include a lot of the projects I'm currently working on that I like to show because they showcase some strong work I've done. But I'm not quite ready to put them out there um, because they're not completed. So that's a really good way to also have your portfolio. So I, I actually have Instagram, a website and uh, a PDF portfolio. So I have three ranges of work. And what's great about a website is this is what you can use to send to people. You can post your link on your Instagram. You can post the link on your Facebook. You can text it to people. People can share it. It's a very quick way for people to see your work. And on my portfolio, I have a contact me page where if you want to work with me, you can fill out a form right there and I can collect your information and that's how I can reach out to you. Um... So I've already touched base on a little bit of what to include your por- in your portfolio, which is um, your projects as well as a description. But um, to kind of 
put this more in a, in a direction for you. Um, you want to put in your portfolio projects um, that you want to have your line of work in. So for instance, if you are a packaging designer and your portfolio has a bunch of websites on it, no one's going to know how good you are at packaging design because it's not shown. Um, so for me, um, I have a business called Wolf and Pine Creative. There's also an Instagram account for that and a website that you can look at. And those have a huge range of projects because Wolf and Pine Creative uh, takes on any kind of creative project. Um, you know, so that that is a little bit of a different case. But especially if you're like applying for jobs or if you're sticking in a direction, um, say like you know, packaging design, make sure that your projects uh, at least have a decent amount, like I'd say minimum five uh, variety of packaging products. So this could be food packaging. Um, I would include some product packaging, like maybe some makeup or, um, you know, healthcare products. Um, I would do packaging for an apparel company or something like that, or for a product. Um, like if you were to buy a hat or something like that, or you can do um, juice, juice packaging, beer packaging, that kind of thing. There's so many different packaging items you can do. So have a variety of packaging design, but if you want to be a packaging designer, have your portfolio with packaging designs in it, obviously. And, um, so to build a client base and to build a portfolio, um, you know, in school, one of the, the requirements to graduate was you did have to have a portfolio because they wanted you to get a job. They wanted you, they were very serious on their job placement um, to graduation ratio, I guess, if you will. And they had a really high um, placement rate. I think it was something like in graphic design, I think it was like a 91% job placement rate. And they said that that 9% reflected a lot of international students. So they were like pretty much guaranteeing that you're going to get a job after you finish this program. Um, so that's why they were very serious about making sure you had a portfolio. But, you know, as I was going through these interviews and fresh out of school, my portfolio didn't have any real projects in it. I had done maybe two or three freelance projects before that and I included them in my portfolio. But, you know, people like to see what they can actually go to. So, like, yes, I had this, I had beautiful projects in my portfolio from school, but they were made up. And, I mean, it does display my work, but it doesn't display my business, if that makes sense. And so, to build that type of portfolio of real work that you can find locally or online or, you know, it's, it's searchable, somebody, somebody worked with you. You had a real person client and you did this project and now they're using it. The best way to get that type of work is to start by doing it for free. And I know, you know, you're probably thinking I'm a great graphic designer. I've gone to school. I'm qualified to make money. I've made money before. Why am I going to start working for free? You know, these are all valid, valid thoughts. And I definitely looked at myself as one of those, especially since I had that like one job experience under my belt and a couple freelance projects. I was like, I deserve to be making money. You know, I worked my way up the ladder, which looking back was a silly, silly Claire. Um, and you, you know, you can put out ads for free projects. You can, um, you can approach people for free projects and how I would go about approaching people to do free projects for them is um you know if you're walking down the street and go wow this is my favorite coffee shop but their logo is so ugly or their menus are clearly homemade and there's tons of typos in them you know if you're noticing these things because you're a designer you notice these issues and flaws write a proposal say hi I'm a regular at your business I, I went to the Art Institute, I, I'm a graphic designer, or whatever, you know, I've gone to school, I'm a graphic designer, um, I noticed that your menus are lacking, and I think that this, I think I can fix these, and, you know, it will overall bene benefit your business, you're going to better your business by having my work, you know, and 
um, you know, include a link to your work. This is where your portfolio will come in handy and say, this is some of the projects I've done. Um, and I'd like to do this project for free as I'm a fresh out of school designer and I'm just kind of looking for work and I think this would be a really good collaboration opportunity for us. And, you know, some people may say no because, you know, printing the menus may cost them money or maybe they actually really like it or maybe their daughter did it and they don't want to offend them. But, you know, go around to a couple places and write, write some proposals about what you think their business is lacking and what you can bring to the, the table there. And um, I would do a, a, a good couple projects and I would do a range, you know, you can do some mom and pop shops, reach out to your cousin, your aunt, your mom, your dad, you know, whoever has a bit of a business, do some free work for them. You know, you don't have to disclose in your portfolio or to an employer or to a future client that, um, that you got paid for this work or that it's your cousin or a relative or whatever. You don't have to disclose any of that. You simply worked with somebody, they gave you guidelines and you did the work and this was the outcome and all, that's all that matters. So don't really worry about that. Um, you know, free work is the best way to build a strong portfolio and then work your way up with the pricing. Do not just say, I've done it. I'm just going to start charging what everybody else charges now. You know, don't, don't just go from free to full industry rates. You have to build, you have to, you're learning. You, you're learning to work with people. And this is so important for you to understand that you're going to make mistakes. And I'm not just talking about your design. I mean, there might be typos or you might have a printing mix up or something, but I'm talking about working as a designer, you're going to make mistakes. You're new to this. This is something you don't get to do in school, working from project to project. You don't have to coordinate with a printing company. You don't have to work under a budget when it comes to printing. And you don't have these obstacles to work around. You don't have to communicate with people. And trust me, that is so hard. That is probably one of the hardest parts of being a freelance designer is communicating with your clients. Um, people take weeks to reply. They don't know how to be professional. You're going to come across a lot of people that don't understand the value of your work. And you're going to have to learn how to be professional in that manner too. And so this is a learning experience for you. And, you know, think about it. You know, the massage schools, they have qualified massage therapists that have basically completed the program. Maybe they have a couple more courses to do and they're out the door soon. And, you know, you go to those places and their massages are like $30. And these people are just as qualified. Like the second they graduate and they could get hired from somewhere, they could, uh, they could be charging $100. But, you know, they know that they're learning and they want the experience. The experience is more important than the money. And they're probably going to make mistakes. They might put too little pressure on you. They might put too much pressure on you. You know, there's a reason why the rates are low and you have to remember you're at that starting point and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to learn from this experience, absorb it, you know, figure out what you like about it, what you don't like about it, what what are your strengths as a freelance designer and what are your uh, setbacks and like how can you improve that and having a low price will mean that you're going to get a little less complaints from your clients. Hopefully that is not always the case. I've had people I've done free work for that have still complained to me and I'm like this is for free. How how are you upset about this? Like it just boggles my mind sometimes. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so don't, um, don't get super cocky into charging, um, high rates right away. You're going to make mistakes and you need to learn. So, you know, work your way up and be fair in your pricing because as good as a designer as you are, you're fresh in this industry and you're fresh in freelancing probably. So you still have a long ways to go. Your skill is probably a third of what, uh, what you bring to the table in terms of the project. So just keep that in mind. So in this industry, um, something I found very fascinating to learn is it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And this is so important. And this kind of ties in whether you want to be a freelancer or work at a company. It's about um, who you know. 
if you work for somebody who has tons of um, friends that own businesses, that's somebody that um, that you you want to work with. And this is kind of how I've I've built my my client base as a freelance designer. And this is where you're gonna learn. Um, what actually holds value to you and um, this is where your business brain kind of has to come into play. Um, I, when I first graduated from school, there was a hookah lounge that I went to and they were very proud that I was finishing school and he, he asked that I do his business cards for him. Business cards do not take a very long time to make and he is still one of my, he is one of my best clients and um, he is fantastic, and he gives me full range. He he knows that this is where I'm educated in, and where he's not. And he, this is why he's such a good client. And so he trusts that I I've done the work to the best I can. He trusts that I'm doing it for his best interest, and he kind of lets me kind of do what I want with that. And um, I did these business cards for him and he loved the first draft I did and I didn't charge him for them actually. I just asked him if he could, if I could come to the hookah lounge for free for an evening and he said that that would be great. So the reason why I didn't charge him for that project was um, I knew he knew other hookah lounges owners and he knew other business owners and I knew if I did well on this project he was going to be a return client regardless. People always need more work in the future. It can be a year from now. It could be two years from now. It could be a week from now. People will always need more projects done if they're a growing business. And I knew he knew the right people for me. So I gave him the work for free for the first project. And then that's how I started building relationships with other uh, entrepreneurs and business owners through him. And so um, networking yourself is so, so important to know the right people. So when it comes to networking, um, go to events. Um, you know, I went to Hootsuite for an event and I did some networking there. I've gone to a conference called She Talks and I did some networking there. And there's tons and tons of these kinds of places. You go to, go to parties that you know that certain people will be there, successful people, entrepreneurial mindset people will be there. You go to places that, um, that even have other designers there, you know, maybe they, maybe somebody needs a second designer on a project and they, they like you want to bring you on. So networking is really important and you can do this by going to events. You can go to, you can do this by just, you know, being open with your line of work when you're having conversations with people. You have to be open to meeting new people to network. So just keep that in mind that you have to, you know, have that open mind space when it comes to networking. Um, you know, find people on LinkedIn and say, hey, I noticed you're local. Um, I'm just trying to build my network and I would love to have coffee with you. And a lot of people do this and a lot of people meet that way. So that's a really uh, good way to meet people. I go through a professional platform like LinkedIn. Um, and LinkedIn is very, very important when it comes um, to networking. So make sure you have a LinkedIn page. Um, anyone who's a professional will ask to see your LinkedIn. They'll ask you what your LinkedIn is. Um, they'll go home and look at your LinkedIn. I notice anytime I meet somebody, I'll come home and I notice that they've checked out my LinkedIn page because um, it tells you that. So that's how I know. <laughs> and, you know, it's even... I, I look at people's LinkedIn pages before I even go to an interview and um, people that I had interviews with have looked at my LinkedIn page before I interviewed with them. Or if I've applied for a job, they look at my LinkedIn page. So LinkedIn is a very important uh, tool to use for networking. That is it's what it's designed for. So use LinkedIn and use Instagram. This is a really good way. Um, social media is actually a really good way to network. Um, Use it as a business tool and not for a social tool is what um, I've learned to do. So follow people you want to work with. Engage with people you want to collaborate on projects with. It could be YouTubers. It could be influencers. It could be a videographer. It could be 
of company. It can be a person that, you know, an author, it could be anything. So just make sure that you, um, you're using social media to its full potential. You know, it's not just for posting your ice cream on your Sunday afternoon in the sun at the beach. It's, um, it can also be used for, it's as a very powerful business tool and they're for free and literally the world is your oyster. Like pretty much everyone is on Instagram. So there, you have unlimited people you can network with. And, you know, this doesn't even have to be, um, local people. These, I, I've worked with people, I'm in Vancouver, so I'm on the West coast of Canada and I've worked with people from Florida, San Francisco, Oregon, you know, I've, I've had people contact me from the Netherlands. So you, and they found me through Instagram. So please, please use social media to your advantage. This is so, so important and go to events and network in person too, because that is the best way to sell yourself. And that kind of leads me into the next, um, next way to, um, get your career going. So selling yourself as a designer, whether you made a company for yourself, like I did with Wolf and Pine Creative, and I have a business partner for that, or you work for a company or you, you work for yourself and you are you as a designer, you, you know, you can go by like, if I were to go by Claire Tashiro, you know, as a graphic designer, just be myself and brand myself. Like you say, an influencer is like an influencer, like uh, Alexis Wren. Alexis Wren is her brand, uh, even though that's her name. So she is her brand and she has to sell herself. And that's what you have to do. Um, when you want to get get your career started, you have to sell yourself whether you're in an interview or whether you're talking to a potential client or whether you're networking, you have to get this person thinking, wow, I, I need to know them. I need to work with them. And there's a couple ways, um, I like to sell myself. And the first thing I recommend you do is, um, I did this in school, so I had a formal write-up of this, but you can practice it. You can make notes in your phone, Um, but have an elevator pitch. And this is really, really important. Um, An elevator pitch is is essentially the idea of it is if you get into an elevator with somebody on the first floor, you have until you reach to the top floor, let's say 20, 20 stories, to tell this person what you do and have them sold on you. And that is not a lot of time, let me tell you. That, you have 30 seconds. That's generally um, a good target to hit is 20 to 30 seconds to sell yourself. So, um, you know, talk about what you do, talk about your interests, talk about you as a person and, um, you know, be confident in yourself. If you believe in yourself, that person's going to believe in you too, because they have no other choice. If you are so adamant on yourself, they have no choice but to believe in you and buy into you. And that's kind of the goal here is you want somebody to buy into you. So, um, yeah, I really, I cannot stress enough how important an elevator pitch is. And this isn't something that you need to rehearse and have perfectly memorized. Honestly, I don't even know what I wrote in my elevator pitch four years ago or whatever, how long ago that was. Um, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you the points I I hit in that, but, um, I, I essentially use my elevator pitch all the time. I meet someone, they say, hi, I'm Matt. They shake my hand and I say, hi, I'm Claire. And they go, what do you do? And I go, I'm a graphic designer. And then I go into my elevator pitch and, you know, I have to sell that person, whether you have to remember that this person, they may not be your potential client and they might not even be somebody you want to work with, but that doesn't mean they're not worth knowing or they're not worth selling yourself to because you never know who they know. Like I said, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that applies in, um, to who that person knows. So, you know, never write anyone off. Um, that's a big tip I've learned is anyone and everyone is a potential project, client, income, whatever you want to call it. Anyone has the potential to, um, to be that for you. So just never write anybody off. Um, 
The second point when it comes to um, selling yourself is uh, dress for the job 24-7. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be wearing a suit and a tie or high heels and a nice business little blazer and dress or skirt or what have you. Um, this just simply means, you know, looking put together all the time. Um, if you, like, picture the dream person you wanted to work with. Um, it could be an influencer. It could be a YouTuber. It could be a CEO of a company. It, it could be anybody. If you, if you knew you were meeting that person that day, what would you wear? You know? And this is, you know, people freak about what, what are they going to wear to this interview? And, you know, that's such a thought out process. And apply that to your everyday life, you know. Brush your hair in the morning. You don't have to do a full face of makeup or anything. But, you know, make yourself not look tired, put together, you know. Just look clean and, you know, put together a decent outfit. Um, I mean, it can still be casual, but put together is, um, you know, it's going to get people's attention. And honestly, the more professional you dress, you know, be confident, wear what makes you confident. If you're not going to be confident wearing high heels and a blazer, um, or a suit and tie or whatever, you don't have to wear that. Um, and you don't have to be ashamed of wearing Converse runners and, you know, some jeans. But if you're going to go that route, um, you know, just make it look put together and make sure you're confident because if you're confident um, in yourself, it's going to come across and how you hold yourself and that's what's going to also draw people to you. So that's really, really important. Um, and then kind of touching back on everyone is a potential client, you know, it's 2019. We, we have such a different world from just even a couple years ago, you know. People can be fully self-employed through Instagram, for YouTube, for, um, as a model, as a photographer, as a graphic designer, um, everyone, it's, it's so easy to start your own business nowadays and I'm, I'm finding so many millennials are actually working for themselves and starting their own business now. It's, it's becoming less and less common to see people working for, um, you know, a Monday to Friday, nine to five job with a boss, you know, it's very, uh, that's becoming less and less common and everyone has a potential client and you never know who has money. You never know who doesn't have money. You know, I've seen people dressed to the nines in Gucci, Louis Vuitton, you know, Armani, what have you. And they've straight up admitted to me. They're like, oh yeah, I spend all my money on looking like this, but there's like nothing in the bank. And some of my friends are decked out and their debit cards are getting declined and they're out of cash and I've had to cover their bill and you know, and then there's people who are wearing ripped jeans and some dirty Converse and a hoodie they've had for 10 years and they could be one of the wealthiest people you've ever met. And you don't know, um, you know, people have different values and you have to remember that. So just, you know, never write off anyone as a potential client and kind of coming back to that point here. Um, this is so, so important. Um, just to keep your options open and I think it's more about having that mindset because, you know, that doesn't mean be um, job hungry or money hungry where you're like, every person I talk to, I need to get a job from. No, you don't want to work with everybody you talk to. Trust me, some of the most professional people um, that have come across to me as a great project have been some of my worst clients and some of the people I just never thought I ever wanted to work with have been my best clients. So, you know, just keep an open mindset and just remember to have that kind of respect for people. And um, that's really going to come across in your demeanor and how you hold yourself and that's really what's going to get attention from uh, future clients or future employers. Um... Yeah, so that's kind of um, everybody, everything I kind of had to say about getting your career started. Um, I want to go more in depth on some of the points I've talked about, and those will be different episodes. And if you have any, um, you know, requests for future episodes or questions that you want me to answer, 
Um, you can do that by um, finding me on Instagram. You can, and my username is Claire Marie underscore T, C L A I R E M A R I E underscore T. And you can send me a direct message on there. And I always read even my requested messages. And um, I would love to do some future episodes. Um, you can also follow my business account, which is Wolf and Pine Creative. And um, yeah, I, I hope that this helps somebody out there kind of even know where to look for further information. Or if you want to come to me with more questions, that would be great. And I'm really, really excited to be doing more of these podcasts. I, I hope that somebody's listening. This is my first one. I don't know if anyone's going to be listening. Maybe I'll just look back on this whole experience and just think, wow, I was the only one who listened to my podcast. Um, but yeah, but those are the general tips I have for getting your career started. Um, yeah, so let me know if you have any questions. And I look forward to the next episode.